This is a global original podcast. Hello, my name is Gordon Glenister. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm the co-founder of BCMA Influence, which is a professional membership association that represents the influencer marketing industry. And my objective is to interview some of the most interesting people in the world of influencer marketing. And in the next 30 minutes, get real insights, ideas and tips to help you better understand the fascinating world of influence. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Katie Cofield, who is the founder and CEO of the Foodie Tribe, which is a network and influencer agency of food content creators. Now, food and drink are one of the top six influencer categories. Some of the biggest bloggers are from this community. Restaurants and bars have been particularly successful using influencers for product launches, party nights, promotions, new recipes, that sort of thing. But obviously, I thought it'd be better to find out from who knows a lot more about this than I do. So I started by asking her about the platform and here's what she had to say. Foodie Tribe was started by myself um, about four and a half years ago. I had my own blog, so I guess I was considered a blogger um, 10 plus years ago when in the university they were starting to see that it wasn't really influencer marketing, they were really talking about blogging and one of the credentials was to start your own blog. So I started a photo blog of random stuff that only happened in Miami and that quickly turned into uh, getting media pitches from PR agencies to visit restaurants, write about it for free in exchange for the food. I could bring a friend with me. And so we started this community here in Miami, very close knit. And I said, you know what, I think we need to do a little bit more for the local community. We would be getting together to these dinners, half the table would be empty. I talked to the agency and they're like, well, we pitched it, but they didn't show up. So I'm like, okay, this is a perfect, you know, business opportunity. Let me get in the middle of this journey, essentially, be the liaison between the agencies and the brands and the influencers or the bloggers at that time that want to work on the, on the partnerships. So Foodie Tribe was born from that idea of it being that middle person, uh, essentially that talent agent for the influencers, and then for the agency and the brands, that sort of extra added value and then credibility to the fact that if they came to work with us, the influencers would show up to their events, they would receive their you know products, like a CPG product, let's say, for example, create that recipe, they would get the content that they were promised and the deliverables um, and the setup that they had requested, timeline, and then a beautiful report at the end of the campaign. So that's what we've been doing for four and a half years. And so how many members have you got now? Approved through Foodie Tribe, a little over 2,000, and those are uh, globally based, with the majority of them residing within the US, Canada, and Australia. Okay. And what do they need to do? Because I know that you've got quite a strong ethical stance here about who, who we allow on our platform because you're presenting yourself as a professional organization. So what, tell us a little bit about that. So it's extremely important for me. Like you mentioned, I am based in Miami, Florida. I am not based in Melbourne. I'm not based in London. I'm not, you know, so I, it's very important that whoever we bring in is a clear representation of our company. So even though I have a team behind me, I am the sole person that reviews applications. So if you don't get accepted, you can get upset with me. But really, you know, the credentials and the criteria, there's silly things where, um, you know, okay, certain follower counts and that kind of thing. But the stuff that I really look at is the content, the imagery, how are you portraying your yourself and your brand? Um, you know, we get a lot of people that 
you know, respond to an application or like, I really love food, but then their entire Instagram page is focused on modeling. And that doesn't really do anything for me. That's perfect. And you're a great model. But unfortunately, I can't pair you with, you know, the brands that we're partnering with because they're focused on recipes or they want you to go out to a restaurant. So looking at the content, um, we had briefly mentioned in in a previous conversation together, followers and engagement are very key. Unfortunately, people are still purchasing that type of engagement. So we do have a partner platform that we use called Tell On Demand. Um, which essentially allows me to plug in the influencer and check their rating. Um, If things look a little bit fishy um, and I'm not feeling comfortable, then I may just not accept you or I may reach out to you via email and just, you know, have a candid conversation with the influencer. So um, I do have conversations with a lot of influencers that have a ton of great potential. Maybe they just don't have the follower account and I don't want to bring them on and then not be able to pair them on a campaign. So I do reach out to them and I give them some pointers. You know, I know your organization is doing some really great learning kind of methods and that kind of thing. We've tried to implement that in Foodie Tribe. Unfortunately, we're just such a small team that we do things very, you know, kind of like here and there, but we've put together a few tutorials for, for influencers to kind of help them understand um, the benefits of maybe taking a food photography class or um, a content writing, copywriting class. A lot of our influencers have full-time jobs, you know, aside from doing this. They're doing this, uh, they started it for fun and all of a sudden it's generating revenue. But a lot of them are lawyers, they're doctors, you know, they're chefs full-time in another restaurant. So um, it's just kind of having them understand that. And we have had multiple people reapply when they get accepted. So why do you think food and drink is such a popular sector within influencer marketing? Because it's, it's, it's right up there with the top six. I mean, people ask me this, I'm like, well, everybody eats, right? So I think it's just, it's, it's, a, it's important daily life thing. I, so besides like the fashion and lifestyle, I think definitely food and beverage is, is top there. I think food photography is really fun for a lot of people. I personally started it because I am not a model um, and I don't like to take selfies, but I'm very comfortable behind the camera you know, taking photos of food that, that kind of like, you know, makes me happy taking photos and really trying to show people, you know, what they're able to experience in different communities. So I think relaying uh, culture, community, all of that is very easy to do with food. And therefore it entices a lot of people to kind of get in on that. I think the same thing with recipe development, it leads for a lot of really nice creativity. Do you find it, uh, it works particularly well with uh, new restaurant openings? Oh, yes. For sure. Yes, most definitely. So a lot of the projects that we did, I'm going to call it pre-COVID, when it was restaurant-based, was definitely brand. a lot of grand openings. Besides having influencers come in and try and do a cocktail menu, we did work on a lot of uh, new, uh, it was maybe a new franchise or just a new chain in general. I think that makes people excited to kind of be a part of something new and fresh and then be the first to kind of let people know. So Whenever we were hosting those events, it was always a pretty good 50-50 uh, split between influencers at the table as well as local media. If you were to have, just use this, so uh, let's just say a new restaurant is opening in Miami. Uh, typically, uh, and, and, and a, a restaurant would to come to you for a recommendation, so that we'd like to get some influencers down. How many would you recommend as part of a campaign? What sort of budget should they allow? So when we first started, um, you know, four and a half years ago, bloggers or influencers, content creators weren't really requesting monetary compensation. They were fine with just showing up to a restaurant, bringing a friend and getting 
you know, the food for exchange. Now it's very difficult to get somebody out without, you know, some sort of compensation. They're obviously they're driving or they're taking some sort of, you know, commute, they're paying for parking. So I would say when people ask me for a rough budget that you should expect if you're going to work with, let's say a micro influencer, somebody a little bit lower, you know, let's say five to the 20, 25,000 mark, you can expect to pay between two and 400 US dollars per post. So what I try to do is when we're compiling a campaign, especially for a new restaurant, we can understand that they're, you know, budget strained. We tell them they should have at least three to five influencers. And then we try to get enough budget so that they can each post at least twice with some story content sprinkled in between. I don't like to work on campaigns where we can only, you know, create one post with that one influencer. It just doesn't really do a lot for their community because it doesn't really show a sense of loyalty or, or collaboration or partnership. So we always, whenever we can, try to, you know, create a little bit of a longer content timeline. And within those types of campaigns, would there be some form of, of discount for the influencer followers? So come to this restaurant, is really cool. And if you use my codes, then you can get I know, buy to get one free or some form of offer linked to it. Yeah, 100%. So for the in-store, like if we're going inside of the restaurant, we do that kind of thing where they'll mention the influencer's handle um, as they're getting ready to sign, you know, the check. And then for a lot of, obviously, because of the way that things are right now, there's a lot of delivery. So now we're just sending out codes. So it's a little bit easier for tracking purposes on the restaurant side. And you get some really good traction from that. What sort of response rate would you get, you know? When we did this, we did a we did a test run for Red Lobster, a much larger organization. Um, the only thing that I found, and something that I talk about when everybody, whenever somebody wants to uh, initiate this, is we need to make sure that the operations team understands kind of what's going on. So one of the things that we ran into is that there were a lot of uh, followers going in, but then the operational team wasn't aware. So they were like, "Well, I'm not giving you any discount." So then I'm getting calls and text messages, you know, from the influencer saying, "My follower, what?" I think they can do really well. I think there just needs to be a lot of communication on all, all ends of the spectrum. Um, obviously, the ones where it's just a, a click, you know, a code. We did that for Uber Eats, really easy, very simple. That did well. Um, the only thing that I mentioned there to the company was that it was like for first-time users, and at this point, almost who hasn't used Uber Eats? I think coming up with something a little bit more unique so that we can make sure that we can really, you know, turn the key there and get people to, to, you know purchase their food on that. So what would you say um, in all your sort of four years has been your sort of blow away campaign, regardless of budget, which is the one that says yes? So I, I am so grateful to have worked with so many wonderful brands over the past four and a half years. I think one campaign that really stands out that I really love, just because it was a little bit of a different strategy, was a company came to us. Their client was the German National Tourism Board. And they were like, well, you know, they want to work with influencers, but we're not really sure how. And I'm like, okay, well, this is an interesting client because usually it's a very straightforward, this is a CPG brand, create a recipe, or, you know, this is a restaurant, go out and, you know, to kind of tackle that. So what we did is I identified that there was this really nice booklet of 18 recipes that uh, a chef, a German chef had put together for a previous festival. So I was like, great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a group of influencers to pick a unique recipe and recreate it with their own spin on it. So that's what they did. We had, I think, a little bit over 10, if not 10 influencers work on the campaign all over the United States. They each picked their own individual recipe and created their own spin on the German dish. So that was a really fun campaign. All the influencers really enjoyed it because when I, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not sure how often they get to recreate German dishes, but it was also just a very colorful 
uh, campaign, which is something that we really pride ourselves here at Foodie Tribe. And that's why I'm so crazy about who I let in. Um, and I mentioned color and imagery in, in the content. A lot of the contents that we, the content that we put on our campaign is just, it's very eye-catching. And it, you know, reminds me, I have a PR background and I used to pitch to newspapers and stuff. And they always used to tell me, well, if you're not caught in the first 25% of that newspaper, then nobody's going to read your article. So that's kind of how I think about it. And that, I think as of yet, in the past four and a half years, that was the coolest campaign that we've worked on. We were just talking, weren't we, a few minutes ago, that when people have got a smaller budget and people are starting to what happens if somebody comes to you and say, look, we've got a a $5,000 budget, we want to, we want or $10,000, we want to go bigger with this. What would you say to them? Well, most of the time, what I like, and I think I mentioned it previous, if I am able to work on a campaign where we have enough budget, where I can assign um, a dollar amount to a smaller group of influencers for a longer term partnership, that's always the answer for me. Um, I would rather do that. There are campaigns where it makes sense to work with 20 or 30 influencers, one post, and just like the entire month, just be blowing it out of water with all this content from all of these different influencers. And that's fine. But a lot of the times what I try to do is these longer term commitments um, and partnerships. Perfect example, right now we work with um, several uh, products under like CPG brands. So one of them is Lighthouse Foods. We actually have a case study on the site and we've worked on multiple campaigns with them over the last two years. And at this point, I would say 50% of the influencers that continue to get chosen for these campaigns are ones that the brand has already worked with in the past. So at this point, those followers completely, like they've seen Lighthouse Foods dressing, they've seen, you know, the different products and the cheeses and all of this. So they're used to it. So now when the influencer posts about it and 4th of July is coming up, they're like, perfect, I'm going to add I'm going to add that dressing um, as my side to my salad or the cheese on top of my baked potato skins. And that's kind of what we're trying to do and, and what we try to do on campaigns as often as we can. So where do you think the um, future of influencer marketing is going to look? What's, that, what's going to look like in the next, if you're a crystal ball in a year or two's time, what do you think are going to be the uh, salient changes, things that are going to stay with us? I think, or at least I'm hoping uh, that the influencers that are really creating stellar content are going to really stand out now and that the brands are going to see where the real value is with influencer marketing. I think in the beginning when we started, brands were still struggling to understand that influencer marketing is now a, is now another web as part of like their advertising marketing model. I think over the past few months, obviously things have been a little bit challenging, but now we're seeing that it's picking up again and restaurants and brands are starting to realize, okay, Q3 is in motion, Q4 is coming, holiday, and they see the value in working with the influencers. I think it's only going to continue going up from here. I think just the way that everything's going, I mean, I don't know where you watch your TV, but, um, you know, we're not really consuming a lot of commercials like we used to, you know, TV and radio now with uh, the different way that we're consuming content. So I think it's only going to continue to grow. I think what may change um, or may develop is just where we're consuming that content online. So maybe, you know, obviously now there's the whole TikTok trend and all of that. So I think that's just going to continue evolving, but I think it's going to be here to stay for a long time. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally. That's it for another edition of Influence. Please don't forget to subscribe and let us have your feedback to our email, feedback at influencepodcast.net. 
or you can go onto the BCMA website www.thebcma.info. You can also send me a message on my Instagram too, which is Gordon Glenister. And if you feel like it, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome because it really does help us. Thanks also to my producer, Neil Whiteside of Freedom One. So until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, bye for now.